0: Well, good morning, Riverwood. Uh, Wish I could be there with you. As you probably already heard, I was diagnosed on Wednesday with walking pneumonia. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, were pretty miserable. I'm recording this on a Saturday evening. And I'm feeling a bit better, I'm still kind of feeling weak, uh, tired, but uh, I can tell I'm on the mend. However, I did some more research, and it looks like I might still be contagious uh, Sunday morning, so my way to show that I love you is to not come. <laughs> but I'm thankful that we still have the technology that allows me to do this, uh, so that I can still uh, have a chance to teach uh, from the scriptures with you. And I, I hope that even though this is in a different format, it'll still be really, really meaningful to you. And I hope it doesn't get too awkward for me, because... Uh, It feels weird to talk to my computer and not be right there with you, and uh, it'll probably be obvious that I would not be a good uh, YouTube vlogger, so uh, you can tell I'm not going to be starting a YouTube channel anytime soon. Well, let's continue on in our How to Walk series as we study the books of 2nd and 3rd John. And I wanna start by telling you a story from 2008. Uh, I was the young adult pastor at a church in Cedar Rapids and uh, as the young adult pastor, it meant I oversaw the discipleship of our 18 to 35 year olds, which meant I rarely was on the stage to preach to the entire church family. I only taught once, maybe twice a year. Well, in 2008, my one time uh, I got to preach, I was allowed to pick whatever topic I wanted. And so I chose to preach on John 1. 114, which is all about Jesus being full of grace and truth. And in my message, I argue that if we are going to be like Jesus, then we also have to be full of grace and truth. But the problem is most of us we are full of grace or truth, that, that we treat it like a spectrum. That some of us were so grace-oriented that there's almost no no truth, we don't really hold to the truth, and others of us were so truth-oriented that we don't really give much grace. And the problem with these these extremes are when we give all grace but no truth. It leads us into licentiousness, which basically means anything goes. If if your life is all about truth and no grace, then it leads to legalism, and that's really no fun for anyone. Uh, So I argued that we needed to be a church and people full of grace and truth to be like Jesus. Well, my message struck a chord. Um, In between services, our our church was fairly large. We had four worship gatherings uh, every Sunday. Uh, We had three in the morning, one at night, and the night service was just like the morning ones and i I had people after every service come up and talk to me and it, it was clear that that it struck a chord well between the second and third service i remember one gentleman approaching me and he just had this giddy look on his face he was so enthusiastic about my my sermon and just went on and on and on about how much it meant to him but the more he talked the more i realized he really had only heard half of my message because i I knew just a little bit about this individual he was a very politically motivated guy and i didn't realize just how much until that conversation as he talked i realized he saw all of life including his faith in christ through the lens of his politics now he probably wouldn't say that but the more he talked all he could talk about was how i talked about truth and there was nothing about grace in in his language and so i i brought it up in the conversation i even said hey um you know, there's this stuff about grace, and it, and he just dismissively was like, oh, yeah, 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 of course. And then just, poof, right back to truth. Last week, I started the series uh, talking about truth, because that's where John starts in both 2nd and 3rd John. And it was clear that it it uh, struck a chord with many of you. I got more feedback from last week's message than I, I do on a typical Sunday. And while I'm really, really glad that that it helped a lot of you, that it, that it really impacted you and touched you, um, you've got to listen to this week because uh, while this week may not be nearly as good or as powerful because of the medium and how I've been doing, uh, the the message is still really, really important because if we become a church that is all about truth, we will cease to be a church that is about people. But God is about people. That's why this week, as we dive into Second and Third John, we're going to see that if we really are people who walk in the truth, that we are also going to be people who walk in love, love for one another, and love for the stranger. So, if you brought a Bible, please open it up to Second John. Uh, like last week, we're going to be in both Second and Third John. We're going to spend most of our time in Second John, and we'll dip over into Third John to help see an illustration that brings out what John wrote to the church in Second John. So, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. You can just listen in. Uh, if you do have a Bible and you're not quite sure where Second John is, you can see that it's kind of uh, way towards the back in your Bible. So, keep flipping way back there. And, excuse me, if you've got a Bible on your smartphone, totally feel free to pull that out and use that this morning and let that be your guide. So let me read 2 John, we're going to do verses 5 and 6, then we're going to go over to Third John, do verses 5 through 8, and then I'm going to pray. Alright, so Second John, starting with verse 5. And now I ask you, dear lady, and not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Now, let's flip over to 3 John. Start again in verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church and you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Let's pray. <sighs> Heavenly Father, uh, as I sit here uh, Sunday evening in my uh, home office, just talking to a computer, I pray, Father, that you would uh, take this beyond that and that this is you talking to your people you would open the hearts and ears of of those who are listening to this right now and they would hear loud and clear what you have to say to them that for those who are jesus followers they would hear the call to love and that they would love lavishly and graciously and generously and even a little crazily because that's how you loved us and lord for those that don't know you yet i pray that through this message they would hear about your radical love and it would call them to become radical lovers as well so lord would you teach us you wrote these these uh, words this truth uh, a couple thousand years ago, and yet it still rings true to today. So help us to hear it loud and clear, and may it ring through our life as well. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, last week we finished up uh, in Second John with verse 4. Uh, first, Verse 4 says this, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. Now remember, Second John was written to a church Third John was written to one individual. And so John is writing to this church, and he says he's really excited to find out that her children, the the members of this church, are still walking in the truth. But after saying that, notice what he says. Verse 5, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we've had from the beginning, that we love one another it's so clear to me that to John, that if you are going to claim to be a Jesus follower, if you're going to say you're going to walk in the truth of the gospel, it means you're going to also walk in love because this is like a theme for John. Uh, Back in his longest letter, first John chapter two, he writes this, beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes john is saying that if you claim to be in the light if you claim to be a jesus follower you will not hate your brother you will love him and just in case that wasn't clear enough to john's audience he writes this in first john uh, chapter 4 verses 7 through 9 beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love and in this the love of god was made manifest among us that god sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him you've got to remember john lived on the earth with jesus for three years he saw jesus uh, do amazing miracles he heard him teach unlike anyone else he also saw jesus die on a cross but rise again from the dead and it changed John's life. This is the most important thing to him. And he sees the love of God through this. And that's why, yes, truth matters, but the truth that matters is the love of God. And so if we realize that the truth of the gospel is about God's love for us, we are then going to walk in truth. I'm sorry, we're going to walk in love towards others. I remember many years ago after Leanne and I came back from Venezuela, we just had our one daughter, Karis, at the time. And we had an opportunity to go and visit a church in Red Oak, Iowa, just one Sunday. And I'll be honest, it was a very awkward uh, Sunday morning. It happened to be youth uh, Sunday. And so the high school youth group was in charge of the worship service. And it it meant that the music really wasn't very good that week. Um, The the flow of the service was really, uh, probably the best word is clunky. And uh, they'd asked the pastor to preach. The pastor had prepared, I think, like a 30-minute sermon. And they left him, I think, about five minutes towards the end. So he did a great job of just summing it up and, and still trying to get us out close to on time. But probably the most awkward moment of the morning was when uh, one of the high school boys got up and he said he remembered the first time he visited that church, they made all the first time guests stand up and introduce themselves. Yeah, I I can't understand why any church would do this. If, If the number one fear in America is public speaking, why would you make your first time guests stand up and introduce themselves? Crazy, crazy, crazy idea. But they they used to do that at this church. And this kid said he hated it. And so what he wanted to do was he wanted to reverse things. He wanted to let the guests stay seated and everyone else got to stand up. Well, that was really awkward because as Leanne and I are sitting there, all these people stand up around us and our eye line is right at everyone's backsides. And so we're trying to crane our necks and shake hands up above us. And finally, we just stood up and started talking to people. But it, it was, trust me, it was really, really awkward. And yet... After Leanne and I got done with that worship uh, service with that church, we got our daughter out of the nursery, we got into the car, we start driving home. We just kind of looked at each other and said, wow, what a church. Now, they didn't have the things that you'd normally think that are, are needed to make a, a, a first time guest want to become part of that church. The, the music stunk, uh, we didn't really get to hear the sermon, uh, things didn't flow very well, and yeah, there was these awkward moments. And yet, we walked out of there going, wow, because this church loved it was obvious that they loved one another deeply and dearly and they were ready to welcome and love you as well uh, in fact they uh this church had a time where they would have open prayer requests and uh this one lady stood up and she just in tears thanked the church for all of the meals that they'd provided for her and the way they'd helped her move because she was a single mom and as this woman talked with these tears you saw a number of other people in the church family have tears in their eyes and you could tell they they really really loved her and yet, as they interacted with us, it was obvious that they they were ready to welcome and love us, too. Uh, I had a chance to talk with the pastor, and he talked about the trailer court that was right across the street from their church. And the, the, all the efforts that they were trying to do to just love those people. This was a church that loved. And that's what John is getting at here. John is is, is trying to get across that if you claim to be a Jesus follower, truth matters. Your doctrine's important. You've got to get this down. But it's got to lead you to love. You have to live it out. Notice what he says in verse six, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. And, and notice, he didn't say, and, and this is the suggestion. No, this is the commandment. If you are a Jesus follower, you must do this. You must love. Now, where do you think John got this from? Well, who was it that he followed? Who was his mentor? Who, who was his rabbi? It was Jesus. And Jesus is the one who talked about this. In fact, in John's uh, uh, gospel, he records in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus saying this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus is saying, guys, if you're going to follow me, you have to love. Which explains why Jesus, back in Mark chapter 12, when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? He replies, you know, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But he doesn't stop. He keeps going. He says this, Mark 12, 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. In other words, to Jesus, if you Follow God, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, it's going to come out in your love for others around you. You cannot claim to love God and yet hate your brother. You must love. But not only do we love those who are right there around us, it also means that we love the stranger because the word that John uses there for love in John 2, I looked it up this week, it, it means to welcome. It's, it's a hospitality word. It's, it's inviting people into your home, inviting them into your life, and I think that's why John got so excited when he wrote Third John to Gaius. Notice what he said to Gaius. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for all these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. And you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth." John heard that these missionaries had come right there to to Gaius' home. And the fact that Gaius welcomed them, brought them uh, uh, into his home, fed them, supported them, it got John excited. Because to John, that's proof that the gospel is taking root in Gaius' life. That that, that Gaius is, is showing this generosity because Jesus showed generosity to Gaius by dying for him. Gaius is now giving of his life to, to, you know, use his money, his food, whatever he can to support these guys who are going around to make the name of Jesus known all around the world. To, to, to love isn't just to love people you already know. It's, it's even to love strangers. It's to welcome someone into your life that you, you don't know. It's, it's stuff like this that reminds me of why we're supporting Patrick Gray. Uh, Patrick is uh, planting Northside Neighborhood Church. You probably already heard the announcement uh, that uh, some of us are hoping to head up next week to support them as they, they launch uh, their Sunday services. And it, it, it's why we're trying to, to help Patrick out because Patrick's been living in the, the North uh, Minneapolis uh, uh, neighborhood for the last few years. And he's just been loving his neighbors. They already know him. And so for him to start a church, it's just an outgrowth of what he's already been doing in that community. And these people know that Patrick loves them. And so we want to support them and it's our way to support him through money, also by, by going. I, I hope some of you can join me next week. I really, uh, I should be feeling uh, up for it and should be feeling good and I'm, I'm looking forward to going because Patrick's doing exactly what, what John is telling here. Patrick is all about the truth of the gospel and how is that gospel being lived out through Patrick and his wife Shelby and, and their church? Through loving the, the neighborhood, loving the people, loving one another. So, so let's let's go and apply this now to us. That we need to ask ourselves, so, so if we are going to be a church that is about truth and love, well, then who do we love at Riverwood? <laughs> Obvious answer is everyone. But first, remember, we are to love those who are already in our, in our church home. When, when, we've had a number of babies born here recently. I, I love that about Riverwood. Uh, it, 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 uh, it's, it's exciting. And I love to hear when you guys are supplying meals to one another you know, after a baby's born or maybe after someone's moved, uh, you, you just take stuff in and you just go help. Um, some of you, you you've dog-sat for each other. You, you've you've house-sat. You babysat. You, you've just jumped in and you just helped one another. That's that's loving one another. Um, when you just invite someone over for a meal or, or to go out for lunch or even just to come over to your house to watch a movie or a, a you know a, a sports program, a football game, that's love. It, it's just welcoming people into your life, letting them come and be be a part of it. This week, I have benefited from your guys's love. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I had a couple of flat tires on some bikes and, uh, Luke, one of our elders, I know is a passionate bicyclist. Uh, he would be awesome to start a bicycle shop one day because he was able to change three flat tires, uh, in the amount of time it would have taken me to do one. Uh, and plus it was just fun to be with him and he was so enthusiastic about it and he's teaching me and Salem how to, how to do it. Uh, just that was, that was love. And then on Wednesday when I just felt like, absolute crap. Uh, I just felt horrible. Uh, my boys had dentist appointments and I knew I couldn't get them to the, the dentist appointment. And I contacted Cheryl Berdura and Cheryl's like, yep, what do you need? And she picked him up from school. She took him to the dentist appointment and then she brought him home. She even texted me from the dentist office to ask me, hey, they're asking some questions. What do you want here? You know, fluoride x-rays. That was love. This is being the church. The church is to just love one another. The church is not to just be this Sunday morning event. The church is the people of God living out this commandment of Jesus to love one another. But also, as John pointed out to Gaius, love is not just loving those you already know. Because sometimes when you love the people that you already know, you tend to show love to the people that you know can kind of repay it back. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll scratch your back because I know, you know, you'll be able to scratch mine. And John's writing to Gaius, like, hey, don't look at it for what you get out of it. Just just give, be generous, just love. And so that means love the strangers. And so at Riverwood, when, when someone walks in on a Sunday morning, it doesn't matter what they're wearing. doesn't doesn't matter what color their skin color or their hair color or how many piercings or non-piercings they have. It uh, doesn't matter if their skin is clean or filled with tattoos. Uh, it doesn't matter if they come in with, you know, a, a bad background or a heavy church background. doesn't matter if they, you know, have an addiction right now or don't even know what the word addiction means. They are people. They are to be loved. We are to welcome them in and, and just make them feel a part of our church family. Yes, our, our theology, our doctrine is important. But they're not going to know that until they really sense how much we love them. I'm so thrilled that you guys are who you are that you already you know go and shake hands you exchange names you make people feel welcomed we just have to continue it i'd rather have people leave riverwood complaining that we're too friendly than leaving complaining that we're not friendly enough that no one took an interest in them you know we've got to love one another and we're doing that well we also have to love the stranger and we're doing that well and we just need to continue to do it because if we are going to truly be a church that walks in truth We have to be a church that walks in love. You you just can't have one without the other. We have to be a church full of grace and truth. This was obviously very important to John as he writes about it in in his gospel and then in all three letters. And the reason it was important to John is because it was important to Jesus. Because to see, to Jesus, the way you treat others, the strangers, those you already know, the way we treat one another, it reveals how we feel about God. And so if we're going to claim to be Jesus followers, if we're going to claim to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we have to love those around us. And so may we do that. May we be the, the church that loves and loves well. And then maybe we'll just see some lives be changed. Heavenly Father, um, I pray that something I said would impact uh, those that are listening to this. Um, that you would truly make us a church that loves. That we would love those around us. Uh, love takes risk. Love uh, Love takes sacrifice. Uh, love is selfless. So Father, for that to take place, we need to be people who are rooted in the truth of the gospel. Because Jesus, that's what you did. You sacrificed your life for us. You gave it all up so that we could find a relationship with, with our Heavenly Father. So God, would you make us these type of people? Would you make us a church full of love? That we would love one another, and we would love the stranger, because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.